Welcome to the Phil Nason Show, brought to you by PlayUp Sportsbook. PlayUp welcomes all bettors and offers the best prices on the market. They are also proud to be an official betting partner of the New Jersey Devils. Check them out online or in the App Store and see for yourself why PlayUp is your best bet. You're listening to a pre-recorded edition of the Phil Nason Show. The Phil Nason Show. Download us at your favorite podcast catcher, including iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or Google Play, and please leave a review. You can follow Phil on social media at Cash with Flash and like our Facebook show page. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Phil Nason Show. Welcome to the Phil Nason Show. We're here to make you a smarter sports better, and I have a great show planned for you today. PlayUp Sportsbook presents the show. Please, please, please head on over to playup.com, sign up for an account, and find out why PlayUp is always your best bet. And speaking of bets, all picks made on this show and on the This Week in Tennis podcast are tracked at BetStamp. Sign up for an account there. Follow us. Listen to the pods. And if you can't listen to the pods, you know, subscribe. And you can get all the picks that we make here, there, and everywhere else. Boy, I got to tell you, Craig Doyle from This Week in Tennis, my radio partner, is on the line. He's in the house. Welcome to the show, bro. Thank you very much. It's a little bit strange because we were just kicking off the new season of This Week in Tennis, but the second show has seen me join the Phil Nason show instead. It's a privilege to be here on the big time. On the big time. And don't worry, This Week in Tennis listeners, I'll drop the podcast into that feed as well so you don't miss a single thing. And you know, one of the things that I was worried about this season is that there would be drama and controversy, and I'm glad that we don't have any. Yeah, absolutely. We're off to the uh, smoothest possible start on the tennis front and the smoothest possible start on the betting front as well. Although I'm I'm just going to go plug your uh, bet stamp here. You uh, introduced me to that a a couple of weeks back and uh, I'm really digging that. That's a a great application and it's a great way to track what we're doing uh, on the tennis show, but, but also here on the Phil Nation show. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You can actually buy our picks from there. You know, on This Week in Tennis, we made our listeners over $10,000 last year. All the picks were made on the podcast for free. And if you didn't listen, you didn't get the picks. Well, this way, we're giving you two options. You can either listen to the show, listen to us blather on, and depending on who you ask, uh, whatever, or... You can sign up for an account, and we hope that you do because we're throwing picks out there left and right. We haven't gotten off to the greatest start. That's because of me. Craig went 4-1 and one yesterday, though. Now, the only good thing I had, Craig, was the day I sent you that message, I like this guy, this guy, this guy, and I couldn't get him tracked for some reason. My phone messed up. I was in the car. But you know what? I'm not worried a single thing about what we're doing. But Novak Djokovic is the main story. It, it seems that... You know, he's a very polarizing figure. You, It's really one way or the other. You either love him or hate him. I'm indifferent to the whole thing, really. I don't hate Novak Djokovic. But at the end of the day, this is quite a controversy down in Australia. And what do you think about all this? Because there's so much stuff out there. Craig, you got these journalists, and I use air quotes around them, journalists, who aren't really journalists. They're bloggers. They started blogs to worship Novak Djokovic. And that's all well and good. But they've been out there. They pump out more misinformation than any other fan base in the world. Well, misinformation is the business that we're in these days with social media. You know, there's people with, as you pointed out, a bias towards a player or a sports team uh, who pretty much will just pump out misinformation um, because it's it's more of a fan site than it is a, a news service. And most of these people, as you, you pointed out, you put quotes around the word journalist because they're not performing journalistic activities. They're pretty much either copying and pasting news articles from an actual sports journalist or they're posting rumors as fact. Um, and, and that's a lot of what we've been seeing the last, I don't know how long it's been, four or five days now. 
since Djokovic um, was first announced that he was coming to the Australian Open. Um, and, and then we've gone through this whole saga where he thought he was being able to play. Then a few hours before he arrived, they decided he's not able to play. He's not able to enter the country. There's problems with his visa. There's problems with the medical exemption that he's filed for to allow him to play. So he, he's in a holding pattern at the minute. And this doesn't look good for anybody, right? It, it's Novak Djokovic is the, the king of the self-destructive PR. He knows how to dig himself into a massive hole with, without really needing any encouragement from anyone to do that. But uh, it's not all on him this time. He, he, he's contributed a bit to negative PR, but the Tennis Australia, the state of Victoria, the, the government of the nation of Australia, nobody's coming out of this looking particularly good. They've created a massive mess. They've changed their mind several times on, on the situation. And I think there's a whole lack of clarity coming from pretty much everyone as to what the scenario is and, and who can and can't play in this Australian Open. And it looks like it's going to continue to rumble on into next week with the Australian Open now only 10 days away. Well, you know, depending on who you ask, it, it seems like Novak Djokovic, according to his parents, who are an interesting couple in, in their own right, they claim that he, you know, comparing him to Jesus and saying that he's being crucified. And the reality is that he's not getting any of those things. You know, he's in a, he's in a hotel. Maybe it's not a five-star hotel like he's used to. But then that's where they put people who attempt to get into the country with false credentials. Now, we know this. We know that the exemption was given by Tennis Australia, Craig Tiley and his staff. But we also know that it's also up to the country or the state whether or not to allow someone entrance into the country. One, These are not the same thing. And one of the problems that people have is they don't understand that it's not the same thing. You know, of course the Australian Open wants a nine-time former champion to defend his title. Nine times he's won this tournament, right? Nine times. But then again, the state, the, Australia, I, unless you're living under a rock, and I know Novak probably does, he probably doesn't care that much about what goes on outside his little bubble, and that's fair enough. Most people are like that. That's why he's so successful. He's able to shut them out, and he does. I mean, well, let's face it. This is, but what you say is true. It's a PR. He's a PR nightmare. He's a walking disaster. And even when he's not talking or unable to speak, others speak for him. But the end of the day is, Craig, if a country has a rule, that says you must either have a vaccination or proof that you can't have one or you don't get in, what, 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 what's the deal? No one invited him anywhere. Okay, no one did. He was exempted by to play in a tournament. They said, they, Tennis Australia, say it's okay, Novak, for you to come here and play without a vaccination. And, and that's totally their right. But isn't it also the state of Victoria's right to... to to deny his him access in a country where they make it mandatory for you to even work that you need a vaccine a vaccination that's crazy i mean i get it craig i get the uproar i want to see him play because i want to bet against him in the final and win like we did last year at the u.s open but at the end of the day he's no different than anybody else and he shouldn't be treated as anyone as or he shouldn't be treated as if he were something special, because quite frankly, outside of the tennis court, he's just another guy. You're absolutely right. And now that he's arrived in Australia, he is being treated exactly the same as anybody else. The problem that I think I have, and it's not the problem that you're seeing in the press, and you're not seeing this on the fan blogs and on the Twitter, is that Maybe the state of Victoria or, or the Australian government or whoever is sitting above Tennis Australia in terms of authority should have really sent a message out to Djokovic before Tennis Australia did to say, OK, the tournament says you can play, but we need to check your consensus before you fly over here. And I think that would have probably avoided a bit of this mess and avoided a bit of the embarrassment for everyone because we're now in a scenario where... Nobody wants to take responsibility for what's going on. There's nobody standing up and saying, hey, look, we made a mistake. We should have said to Novak Djokovic that 
sure, the tournament says you can play as long as we check out your medical exemption and we agree to it. What's happened is there's been a miscommunication somewhere. It looks like Tennis Australia has sent out the message to Djokovic saying, okay, you're cool, you're cleared, you can play this tournament. But uh, they've not bothered to check that with the government or the government's not stepped in to send the right message out to, to Djokovic to say that he can come to the country. And this dude's just arrived in the country. He thinks he's playing. And he's found out later on that uh, actually you're not able to come into the country because your medical exemption or your visa or, or whatever's holding up the process is not in check. So we got to process you the same way we process anybody else who attempts to enter the country at the moment. And that's what's causing the uproar. There's been some sort of a miscommunication there, but he's not being treated badly. He's been treated the same as everybody else. Absolutely. And that, let's, you know, but comparing him to Jesus, you know, Jesus was crucified and they're crucifying my son. Uh, they, cl they claim he's being tortured. Why? Because he doesn't have room service? You know what? Here's the story. And, and the bottom line, I remember, Craig, the first time I went to South Africa for tennis. And this was probably 1979, right after apartheid ended, right? I guess that's 79, 80, whatever it was. I had to get so many shots and so many things to get into that country that it wasn't funny. And I understand why someone would be reluctant to or hesitant to take the vaccine. I totally get it. You know, I, I'm vaccinated because I have to be. Because they don't allow me to work in the United States if I don't. It's, or I'm sorry, they don't allow me to work in New York if I don't. Um, we have cops here and firefighters who have lost their jobs until they get their vaccination. In, in Australia, it's the same way. You have to be vaccinated to work. And unfortunately, what's going to happen, if they give this kid a pass and let him come into the country, they're going to have a war in there. Because these people have been locked down basically for two years. Ashley Barty had left after the Australian Open and didn't come back until late October, early November. Because she couldn't get back. And she's from there. Now, I get the whole thing. He thinks he's going to play. But he's. this isn't the first time he's ever entered the country. He acts like it is. From what I've been told, they filled out the wrong visa application for an exemption. They had made a mistake, and the state of Victoria is not backing down. Now, there's some type of hearing on Monday, and that will be the final determination. What do you think is going to happen, Craig? Because personally, me, I think that they'll cave, and they'll have a war on their hands in Australia. I think just looking at the news at the minute, they're going to go the other way, and they're not going to let him in. And that's based upon the fact that they're now starting to pull up other tennis players. Um, we discussed before the show that there's a young lady from the Czech Republic's now being looked into as to whether she can play or not. And I believe she's probably already arrived in the country. And I saw reports earlier today as well that there's an, another second player out there that they're now starting to investigate. And I just wonder, are, are they starting to investigate these players as well because they're lining up to not let Djokovic in, but they don't want Djokovic to be the only player that doesn't get in? Um, that That's kind of the way I'm I'm looking at it right now as, as we, you know, we look at it on the hour. Um, you know, the situation is changing quite quickly, but I, I really feel that they're in the situation now where if he gets in the play, they... It, it, it could cause a massive problem because can you imagine when he comes out for his first time match and he walks on the court and you'll have people booing or shouting out during points it's, it's it could create a an atmosphere where his matches become unplayable because the, the the crowd unrest and we're not talking about you know you get the the usual idiot who shouts out during a point or something at the u.s open we're talking about this could be hundreds of thousands of people who are taking opposition to this guy on, on the court because he's been allowed to come into the country to work when someone in their family or, or someone you know in, in their friend circle is unable to work because they've not been vaccinated. That could be a real problem, and they don't want to broadcast that out on live TV across the world. I mean, you imagine the number of people sitting watching that. That would be an even bigger embarrassment than what they've caused already. Man, you got that right. 
I worry about his safety. I don't think he's safe there. Uh, I think he's the safest place he is, can be in Australia is where he is now. If you watch Twitter, and I know Twitter's full of twitties, and I know, especially where it comes to that camp, the Nole family, is that what they call themselves? A family? A family that have never met their daddy. You know, that's the first thing. I actually have. So what I'm going to tell you is this. I hope that Novak Djokovic gets the result that he deserves, one way or the other. Do I think it would be a great tournament with him? Absolutely. But I think it's going to be a great tournament without him, too. And this whole boycott, the Australian Open, and demanding that players boycott? Are you stupid? Are these people stupid? You know how expensive it is to fly to Australia from the United States? Just let's use the United States as an example. You're looking at about twenty, twenty-five grand there and back with your hotel fees because not everybody gets to stay in a player's hotel until they actually become a player. So you've got all these qualifiers. So they're going to throw all their money away for, for someone who's irresponsible and has demonstrated his irresponsibility throughout his career. That's not happening. Is Vasek Pospisil, has he withdrawn from the Australian Open yet? Do you know? Does anybody know? You know, you can talk about your professional players tennis association till the cows come home. But that's one of the reasons why a lot of people on the ATP tour won't say anything. And nor should they say anything. You want people to speak out? Are you stupid? The people who want these young men and women to speak out have nothing in it other than to see Novak Djokovic play tennis because that's the only life that they have. These people have also given up their entire lives to get to that moment. And why in the hell would they or anyone else walk away from that because of a little fella who's very immature, who can't follow the rules, who think the rules don't apply to him? Let's not forget, and these folks, Craig, they don't remember or want you to even mention that, what was it, the Andrea tournament? The Andrea tour, that one-week thing where they all caught COVID? They blame it on Dimitrov, but at the end of the day, they all got it. Who put that thing together? Novak did. Novak's irresponsible. This whole thing could have been easily avoided if one of them had the sense in their head to fill out the right visa. They act like it's the first time they've been to Australia or the first time they've ever filled out visas. And these parents who are stoking the fire, and I get it, your son is being held uh, not against his will. He has a right to say, I want to leave now. I want to leave the country. But he, doesn't, he hasn't done that, has he? He says, I want to stay and play. So you know what? Sometimes you have to pay for these things. You want to talk about this kid as some kind of messiah? Stop it. Stop it. You've got a kid who's tone deaf to the world. The entire freaking world, Craig, has this problem. The entire world. It's not just down there. It's everywhere. What's going to happen next? Now, I heard he's going to be allowed to play in France. Good for him. But you know what? At the end of the day, I hope that he gets the outcome that he deserves, one way or the other. But one thing I want to see, Craig, I want to see some of these people, these journalists, I want to see their credentials, Craig. I want, when they talk about being journalists, I want to see who they write for. And if they don't write for these things, they can't say who that. They can't use that title as journalist because they're the worst problem here. They're fueling a fire that they have no idea how it was even set or even how to put it out. All they want to do is fan the flames. That was a long rant, Craig. It was, and you know, you make a great point about all of these people um, claiming to be journalists. Most of those people wouldn't even know how you would go to get a credential to write <laughs> for someone. You know, they'll never have had an accreditation badge for a tournament because they wouldn't know how to get one. They wouldn't know um, what qualifications you need to have to actually work for a, an accredited agency or an accredited newspaper or, or media outlet. They, they wouldn't know the process to get one. These people are not inside the doors. They are not journalists. They're not able to get information firsthand. You're pretty much dealing with people that are recycling information that's coming from other people and then adding their own opinion to it as fact. That's kind of the, the problem we've got here because we have so many more of these people now 
than we do have of actual journalists with credentials who break proper stories. Um, that kind of tends to get lost within the flood of posts on social media and, and blogs and fan websites, etc., that are, are opinion pieces. They're, they're not facts. They're not coming from accredited journalists at the Australian Open or, or any other tournament or sports venue. They're just recycled opinion pieces that people now seem to assume are, are fact. And that's just the and that's the biggest problem in this in the whole world, really. Look at the news we have in America. All we we don't have it's not cable news; it's cable spin, cable opinion. We're not going to spin anything here. The bottom line is, I hope Novak Djokovic gets the result that he deserves. And if he plays, great. If he doesn't play, that's okay too, because the tennis has been fantastic this season so far. Tennis, you know, and the one other thing I have to address here real quick, Greg. First of all, tennis was thriving before Novak Djokovic was born. Tennis will thrive after he leaves the game one day. Stop telling everybody that tennis is over because he can't get into a tournament. He knows the rules. He knew what he was up against. He thought he got a pass. And at the end of the day, you might be right, Craig. He, they may not let him play because if they do... It's going to be a war in Australia because there are folks out there who are trying to support, to support their families who have the same stance on vaccinations as Novak does, except the difference is, is Novak has a couple hundred million dollars in the bank where a lot of these folks don't. So who's really losing here by taking this stand? If now, if Novak Djokovic would say Vasek Pospisil, you know what? He could actually be a martyr, but Novak can't be, you know, Novak can't be. But that's enough of that. You know what? We've You and I started early this year. We usually don't touch a, a match until the Australian Open. Then we crush. And then we continue to crush, usually until I go away to tennis camp, Craig. But uh, a question was asked for our show, This Week in Tennis. And again, you, can, you This Week in Tennis listeners, this will be still in your podcast feed. Don't worry. I'll never forget you. This was the first show I ever did was This Week in Tennis. That was 14 years, Craig. But what is the best way? Someone asked, what is the best way to bet on these early round matches? Craig, what are you what are you looking at when you look at these matches early, like really early, like this the first week of the season early? Um, a little bit of uh, you know, history, just like guys who have, have delivered for me before are, are are definitely up there. Guys who played well last season, but um you know, one of the big ones that we came across this week in the early week was the British guy, Cam Norrie. And I think we did have a go on him one day. Mm -hmm. And I was skeptical as to whether we should. Uh, and my feeling was this guy's played well last year, but his ranking got elevated towards the end of last season where he was getting to finals and semifinals at events. And in fact, he, he won a tournament as well where he was playing against guys who were physically spent. They had played most of the, the year they played all the grand slams all the big tournaments were out of the way and this guy was kind of like rising up the rankings based on the fact that he was playing a lot of guys that were tired or, or low ranked players um and i said yeah i'm gonna be cautious about playing this guy because he's playing against you know top 20 players and he's not winning so so that was one of the things i was looking at is who, who did well at the end of last year and did they do well because they were playing against people who were maybe tired or, or picked up a few injuries? Uh, and has that artificially increased the ranking? Because we know well here that when the ranking increases, the the bookmaker, the prices they set are not as good for us. You know, they're, they're going to give those guys, uh, make them bigger favorites than they did before. And, and we need to look at backing against them in situations where we don't think they're going to win. Um uh, However, further down the sort of rankings, um, yeah, I, I picked on some people we, we we did play last year in the middle of last year, particularly before the U.S. Open, and uh, yeah, we did we did okay on them. The, the other thing I'm looking at here in Australia is can we pick on some Australian guys? You know, they tend to traditionally play a little bit better these first few months of the year when they're back home. Um, so we've had a couple of plays on Australian guys, and we've gone well there. On the girls' side. 
at the minute it, it just feels like a bit of a dice roll. You're you're never too sure who's going to come out the gate firing on the women's side. You 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 know you see so many matches where you want to just play the over on games because the matches finish three sets every single time. You know, one player wins the first set, then all of a sudden they just fall to pieces in the second set. Then you know you've got a, a level game at one one. And then you have a competitive third set where someone scrapes over the line. And we've seen so many um, matches between players outside of the top like five or six where it's just gone to to three sets. I mean, playing the over is like a really good strategy at the minute. Um, outside of that, we, you know, we've had a few favorites that we've we've backed. I mean, we had a good one last night with Anna Simova, who just looks like she started off on fire. She's playing really well. Um, we've gone back to Sphiatek, who we I think we we were quite comfortable that she she was looking pretty strong, and we've been burned a few times, and I think everyone needs to learn that at this time of the season you're going to get burned playing a few people, and you're just going to look at the score and you're going to go I, I can't believe that that player lost, and and that's natural at this time of the season. I'd say to anyone who's you know betting at the minute, don't be surprised if you're you know you're not hitting 60 70 percent wins you you might only be hitting 30 percent wins because people you saw winning last year are no longer winning um that is completely normal for the first few weeks of the season and things will start to turn around as we get into the australian open and then when we come out the back of that into the indian wells miami we, we should feel pretty confident on who we're backing on these hard courts well, you said a mouthful. Everything that you said is 100% correct, too. Because, you know, I, I've rolled the struggle bus since I came back from tennis camp, let's be honest. The only picks I got so far that were right, okay, I helped out a couple times, but I had those three underdogs, remember? And I couldn't get them in. But you know something? We we look at the overs here. I, I never like to do that, but I'm starting to see it. These WTA matches seem to be similar to exhibitions and i know that you don't understand this especially the nole fans the nole fam so i'm going to give you another tennis lesson today for free the bottom line with all these things when you're dealing with tennis is exhibitions played everywhere you know what they are they're a coin flip i lost a coin flip so i'm gonna lose the first set then i'll win the second set and then the third set, we play for real. And that's the way it looks as though the WTA is. I'm not saying that they're doing that, but you know what? It does look like it. It resembles it. And there are a lot of them. We could have had the Anisimova over 21, and we didn't play that because we kind of left it alone. I thought it was going to be straight sets, really. And, and the odds were good. But you're going to get better odds on the totals. Like, for example, let's. I'm going to use it. Let's, you brought up Iga Svitek. Svitek. And you know something? She has a match later tonight, early Saturday morning, against Ashley Barty. Now, Sviatek is a plus 157 underdog. Ashley Barty is a minus 175 favorite. So what you've got here, and, and Sviatek has been red hot. And if you listen to her speak, and, and we watch press conferences, and we actually pay attention to the sport outside of one player. So... What we've seen so far is Sviatek, she says she's going back to the way she used to play. I'm going to let it fly, let it happen. Ashley Barty, Ashley Barty has been the number one player in the world for three years, and I'll bet you half the fans in, in tennis don't even realize that. But Ashley Barty doesn't have anything in particular. She has a, the whole package. Mostly she has a big heart. She's tougher than nails. There's no doubt in my mind that this match is going to last three sets. No doubt in my mind. Because if Sviatek gets hot like I think, Craig, then Ashley Barty's going to fight. She's not going to back down, especially in her home country. She doesn't back down anywhere. and She's a tough kid. She was away from home for 10 months because of COVID. Did you hear that, Nole family? Anyway, if we were going to pick this match, the first thing I would do is shoot for the underdog. Because I think she has a chance to win. So that's the first thing you have to do. If you're if you're looking at underdogs, you want to make sure that underdog has a chance to win. It's a money line sport. And if you don't pick underdogs, you're going to lose. Like, our win-loss record so far, Craig, ain't bad. But the problem is, is we don't get too much value and we have to hit 
two out of three to get one, if you understand what I mean. One being one unit. So now I'm looking at the total here, Craig, of the Sviatek Barty match tonight. Over 21 is minus 111. Under 21 and a half is minus 114. Now, what do you think that means? That means that the odds makers believe that this is going to go over. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to put this down right now, Craig. I'm going to take Iga to win the match because she has a chance. And I'm also going to play the over, over 21. What do you think about that, Craig? Yeah, I mean, you've just laid out the logic for how you approach this match. I mean, you've you've taken two top players, two um, top 10 players on the WTA Tour, two girls who have delivered Grand Slams in their career, um, short careers thus far. And you've said, okay, Barty's back in Australia. She's the uh, better ranked player. She's probably um, going to be the favorite here by quite some, some distance. But Sviatek's been playing really, really good tennis. Um, she's capable of winning Grand Slams, and we've seen her go go well at Grand Slam tournaments since. Um, we, we think that she's maybe a little bit better on the, the clay court surface, but uh, her performance against Azarenka in the last slam was also pretty promising because we know that Azarenka is also a slam winner and a, a real tough opponent. So, so we probably look at this one and we say, there's no point playing Barty, right? Because if, if Barty loses, that's a massive blow for us. Back in a, a favorite and uh, losing, is, you know that's not a good place to be. So we might as well play Sviatek because we think, yeah, there's a chance that she could win this one. She's, she's got all the tools to do it. They're going to give us a much better price on Sviatek than they're going to give us on Barty. And there's no reason, you know, we might be thinking... You know, it's 40-60 in, in, in Barty's favor. Sviatek's maybe only got a 40% chance of winning, but that's pretty good for that price that we're, we're being given. Um, and th- then you look at it and say, a lot of games are going to three sets. You know, Sviatek's last game against Azarenka, a similar type opponent to Barty, one with experience, one that's got physicality, one that's uh, won Grand Slam. She knows how to win matches. That went three sets. So we're going to look and say, we'll use experience of that match and what's just happened and say, if Sviatek's going to win, it's probably going to be in three sets. She's not going to blow Barty away in two sets because Barty's too much of a competitor to let that happen. Amen. That's exactly right. Now, let's let's take another match and continue on with like this. This is a lot of fun. I think we're teaching people something because the key to betting is finding value. And, and value, there's not much value. And, and I'm not saying she's not valuable, so he's up. Ashley, if you're listening, you know what I mean. But there's not much value in minus 175. We play them sometimes because we don't have a choice. My usual line is minus 200 or less. That's what I do. But in tennis, sometimes it's 400, I think, is the one. But here's another match where we're going to talk about someone who has a real shot to win. And this has a big-time shot at going over 21.5. And and that's the Daria Kasakina match. She's playing against the young lady that you talked about earlier, Amanda Anasimova. The money breakdown is 50-50 because it's a toss-up. The lines, Kasatkina is the favorite, minus 107, and Anasimova is the underdog at minus 105. Either way, you're paying VIG. You're not going to get very much value here. Now, the total is 21 and a half. And that's minus 111, and under 21 and a half is minus 112. So I would think, now this is me, Anna and Amanda Anasimova is so early here. Amanda Anasimova has played really well. But one thing we know about her is that she's a fighter. The other thing that we know about her is she's had some issues, injury issues, and she's healthy. And she looked really good last night. That was a great call you made yesterday. Kazakina, she's a nice player, but they're dead even. And with the trend and the pattern of these matches going three sets, 21 and a half is nothing. That's 18 right there if it goes three sets, 18 games. All they got to do is somebody else has got to win four games in three sets. You think it can't happen? More than likely it will. So what we would want to do here is take the over. 
And do you want to take a shot at Anisimova or you want to take Kasekina to win? Ooh, I am <laughs> Ooh. probably going to play on Kasekina. Um, she has dominated pretty much all week. I mean, she won 5-1 and one yesterday. Um, a couple of days ago, she had another straight sets win uh, against a girl who retired. Uh, her, her real challenge this week was against Madison Keys, where they had a bit of a, a you know, she won a tiebreak in the first set. Keys won the second set, then Kasatkina came back. But I, I actually, I quite like um, Kasatkina. I, I really do. Um, she's one of those ones that sits just inside the top 30. She's not 25 yet. She's got a lot of upside. Um, not a lot of people know about her. We talk about this a lot. If your player's not got a huge profile, that's when you're going to get a better price. And uh, she's not got that massive profile yet. And I, I really, I like this girl. And, I, um, you know, she's won quite a lot of matches towards the end of last year as well in, in straight sets. So I'm, I'm going to play her here. And I'm going to say, yeah, it's probably going to be the over. I, I think it'll be very similar to the, the match that she played against uh, Madison Keys. It's going to be a bit of a struggle, but I think she'll get over the line and, and just edge Anasimova out. That's perfect. So we're, I'm charting these, and you Phil Nason Show listeners, go over and subscribe to This Week in Tennis at Betstamp because that's where all the tennis picks will be. Now I've got one more ladies match to continue proving our point about how to bet these matches early. And this is what Craig and I, we message each other back and forth like this a lot. Now, this is the last ladies. We'll do a couple of men's because I know that you prefer that as I do because they're a little easier to call. But this kind of, these women's matches are kind of proving what we've been talking about with the totals. Now, listen to this one. Veronica Kudermatova is a plus 325 underdog against Naomi Osaka, a minus 384 favorite. Now, you can't touch that match. Oh, yeah, I guess you can. You could probably play Osaka on the money line, but you won't make a lot. But listen to this, Craig. The total is under 20 and a half. Now, I don't have any doubt in my mind that Osaka is going to win this match. I feel like she's going to win it in straight sets. Now, if it goes 6-4, 6-4, what is that? That's 20. That's under 20 and a half. That's where I think this is going to end up. 6-4, maybe 6-love. Osaka looks really good. Not to say Kudermatova doesn't. But in this instance, it's an overwhelming difference between the two skill levels, their, their uh, experience on the court, and especially winning big things. Naomi Osaka has won big things. What do you think, Craig? Because I'm thinking of playing the under at minus 102 as opposed to the over 20 and a half games at minus 103. It's a dogfight there. It's a toss-up. Which way should we go with this, Craig? Uh, yeah, you want to play the under on this. I mean, Osaka's, you know, Osaka is probably the best player on the women's tour when Ooh. she's fit and healthy, right? Yes. Yeah, she's got baggage, and we all know about that, and we don't want to get into the things that's going on off the court with her. But when she's switched on, um, she hits the ball like nobody else. She's got so much variety. She can take the game away from you quickly. You know, you can find yourself four or five love down in games in a set against her real quickly. I think she's come back from a break. She's really fresh here. She plays well in Australia historically. And I think, like, unless she's playing against a top, top, top player, uh, and I'm talking about um, a Halep or a Barty or, or someone of that caliber. She's not going to three sets. She'll kill it off quickly in, in two sets. Play the under um, and play the under and play Osaka to win. You know, you, you'll, you'll not get much more on it for um, playing Osaka to win. But uh, yeah, play the under, play Osaka to win. And, and, and that's about really the only play you've got. There's, there's no other play there that offers any value at all. That's true. Let's move over to the men's. Now, this match takes place at 1130. And this is where... This is a different type of thing because the men, it's a little different. But this match is a good match we can use to teach, and you're going to win because we're going to win this one. Karen Kakanov is a plus 119 underdog. He's taken on Marin Silic, who's a minus 128 favorite. 
the total is a little different than the women. It's 23 and a half here. The over is minus 105. The under it, 23 and a half is minus 111. Now, the first thing you have to understand is Marin Silich lives for tiebreakers. Okay? So here's the story. If he gets to a tiebreaker, and he probably will against Kakanoff, that's already 13 games. Now you just have to come up with 10 more games in one more set. But more than likely, this will go three sets. What do you like about this? Now, first of all, let's look at the side bet. Who do you like in this, Kakanoff or Silich? Now, we like, we, you pushed me the other day. You said, we got to hit underdogs. Come on, come on. <laughs> and you were right. Now, <laughs> but, you, but you were getting me fired up because I had a rough day the day before. And, and I appreciate that. That's why Craig and I work so well together because we can tease each other real easy, like brothers. Uh, Kakanoff, Silich. I personally like the way Silich is playing, but that being said, I think Kakanoff has the goods to take him out because I don't think Silich has as much to play for here as Kakanoff does. So let's talk it through, right? Head to head, historically, mm-hmm. it's 2 0 in favor of Silich. Yep. Kakanov's never beat him. But Kakanov never really arrived on the scene till last year, right? He came out of the blue as a guy who was way down the rankings. He shot up the rankings. So anything before last year, we're not really talking about Kakanov. We're, we're talking about a different player almost. So they had one meeting last year in St. Petersburg. It was an, an indoor hard court. This will be an outdoor hard court. That's very different. Um, and it went three sets and Chilich won that one. And it was real close. I think it was like, um, yeah, there was a couple of breaks in it or something. It, it, it was it was not a blow away at any point. It was very, very close. We've got one guy, Kachinov, who's rated 29th in the world. And another guy, Chilich, who's rated 30th in the world. So there's not a lot to pick between the two players on the last year of play. They're, they're pretty much nothing to split them. So, so now you, you you just brought something up that was really good. Who's got more to play for here? Uh, so we're talking about upside. And we've got two guys here. One of them's five years younger. Sorry, he's eight years younger than the other. Um, Chilich is, is, is mid-30s now. Kachinov's still only 25. So Kachinov's a guy that's got a big upside, right? He's going to be on the tour for a while. These small events make a difference to him because they do give him ranking points that he can use to get into bigger events to ensure that he stays in the top 30 and that he qualifies for pretty much any event that he wants to get into. Um, so we're looking at this and we're saying, yeah, that's probably a good motivation for him. I mean, Martin Cilic wins, loses here, whatever, right? He's 33. He's going to be playing at the Australian Open. He's going to play all the Grand Slams this year anyway. He's a former Grand Slam winner at the US Open. He doesn't really need to win this one. You know, he's won 20 titles in his career. He's he's earned about $30 million. There's not a lot on the table for him here. So I think the smart play here is that we, we play the Russian, and, and we say that the Russian is likely to take Chilich out, and at the price he's given, it's a much better play than betting on Chilich in a match that's going to be close. Absolutely, and here's the other thing, too. That's exactly right. I was, I'm on Kakanov all the way. I think he's going to win this match. Because he can, first of all. Second of all, what does Silich really have to play for? He's on his way out. But more importantly, he doesn't need to win these kind of events to get into these kind of events. He's a name, and he can get in. He can make a phone call, and he can get in a tournament if he wants. It doesn't matter which one it is. He's in the top 30 in the world still. Both matches, as Craig brought up previously, head-to-head matters. Because at the end of the day, and I played tennis a long time, it's a lot easier to play against a guy you've beaten a few times than it is to play against a guy who's beaten you a few times. And even though Silich has beaten him, it's taken three sets both times. These matches have been extremely close, and they were three years apart. One in 2018 in Cincinnati. That's a hard, hard court. At that time, it was DecoTurf, which gave them a fair bounce, and the big server took him out. But then Kakanoff was just getting started. Last year, he lost, Kakanoff lost to him indoors in St. Petersburg. Probably the pressure of having an amazing season, now playing at home, backing it up, it makes it tough. But that's not an excuse. He lost. He's all right. The end of the day is both of their matches have gone three sets. So what I'm going to tell you to do is look at the history. History often in tennis repeats itself. 
And we're going to play the over 23 because Silich is a tiebreaker guy. That's what he really wants to do is get a tiebreaker, kind of like John Isner. And with, but only with a little bit more success, I think. But the over 23 and a half at minus 105 is a very playable thing because if they go 7676, you just 7676 and you just won. That's probably the most likely outcome here. If there's a break of serve at all, it'll probably be against Kokonov. But so what? Kokonov stays out there with him. He's going to get him this time. I pro I think he's going to get him this time. So we're going to go with Kokonov and the over Craig, 23 and a half. Absolutely, we will. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I'm just having a look at your numbers there. On it, and yeah, I think it's a, probably the best play here on what's going to be quite an even match. And bravo on Thanasi Kokonakis, Craig. You picked him correctly over Michael Yemer. That was awesome. You had an awesome day yesterday. Congratulations. Let's give them one more match before we say goodbye to these nice people. I'm trying to find another one who can, which sort of fits the pattern of this particular podcast, and that is helping people win money early in the season. Even though our record is lousy, we actually know what we're doing. Um, we just never did it this early. <laughs> here, Here's a good match. This is the kind of match where you get into trouble right here because you think based on the numbers that and, and where these guys are from and the more recognizable name will win. Christian Harrison, plus 112. Luca Nardi, minus 115. Now pay attention to these totals. Over 22.5 is your best play on the over. Under twenty one and a half plus one hundred. They don't have an opinion. What do you what's your opinion on this match, Craig? Wow, what a what a match to pick. I thought you were gonna land me with the uh um, oh, no. <laughs> with the Nadal match or something and, and oh, throw no. Nadal at me, but um I I would play against Nadal, as you know. Past history dictates that once he starts to feel decent before a tournament, except on clay, he might give that match a pass. Yeah, I mean, he's always at risk in the small matches, isn't he? So so what we've got, you've got Christian Harrison and... Luca Nardi. So everyone probably is screaming, you got to back Christian Harrison, right? Well, the more, more of the money so far is on Luca Nardi. 53% of the take so far. And 47% of the handle is on Christian Harrison, the underdog. That's a small so, dog right there, plus 112. Yeah, so we're feeling it's going to be pretty close. Yes, we are. This is a match right here where who knows who's going to win. And the only ones that really care are Christian Harrison and Luca Nardi. <laughs> right, right. So th this is where you could get lured in, though. We, we've talked about this quite a, a few times and about I need to betting listen to at this, this level. Too. A lot of people betting at this level, and it's uh, you you don't have a great um, deal of information on the players. Um, I think um, I, I'm probably going to play the over on it, um, which is not something I do a lot of men's matches. I would rather play the over on a women's match, but I'm going to play the over on this one. And at the price, I think I will play Harrison. Okay. You know what? I would do the same thing. We're going to we're going to be in agreement. I'm totally in on the over. Totally in on the total on this match. Totally playing this one. And and, and the reason that I am is because I like the number too. I also realize that these two guys are punters on the tour and what I, and I'm not disparaging them, but these two guys are probably not going to go to the ultimate heights of tennis but they're going to be able to plug away christian harrison's had many injuries luca nardi luca nardi probably has a better serve but harrison might grit this one out this is important for him because he's been around a long time and he's been injured so gaining sponsorship and gaining financial uh, backing is probably difficult especially when you don't win very much or aren't able to step on the court due to injury so this is important to him Luca Nardi, kind of the same thing, except he's got more tournaments to play where he's from. Christian Harrison has to travel a long way to play some of these events, and that costs money. I think he's the hungrier guy, but the total, this is going three sets, and I'll tell you why, because Nardi's a freaking fighter, 
and I love watching the kid punch. So what I'm going to do is join you in that. And what I'm going to say to you, my friend, is thank you so much for uh, coming on the show once again, man. I tell you, I, the best part of my experience in podcasting, radio, whatever, is when Phil LeCurry said, there's your guy. And, and you've been nothing more than a, but a loyal friend and someone I love hanging out with, by the way. And I can't wait to see you soon, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely. We will uh, hopefully get that opportunity this year at some point to uh, to actually be there in person again. But um, no, it's it's always a privilege to get the opportunity to come on the show, whether it's this week in tennis or this week on the Phil Nation show. So thank you very much for having me. Thank you. You can find Craig. Craig's one of the best photographers around, by the way. If you need photography done. And I know it's COVID, it's hard to travel, but if you need it done, you can find Craig over on Twitter at CD Sports Media, uh, one of the best around. And that's going to wrap it up for today's show. I want to thank PlayUp for presenting this show. PlayUp has the best odds, and they are one of the classiest sports books around. If you're in the state of New Jersey or Colorado, please sign up for an account and find out why PlayUp is always your best bet. Don't forget betstamp.com. That's where you can track the Phil Nason Show picks and This Week in Tennis. Don't forget the Wolfline newsletter. We are like 7 or 8 and 1 over the last couple days. We'll have a newsletter out for you, a sample of that, over on cashwithflash.com later today. Until next time, you all take care of yourselves. Be good. And most importantly, Ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you. My father thanks you. My sister thanks you. Thanks for listening to the Phil Nason Show. Download us at your favorite podcast catcher, including iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. And please leave a review. You can follow Phil on social media at Cash with Flash and like our Facebook show page. 